One. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be discussing the 1953 sci-fi film Robot Monster. This will contain spoilers. Okay, so um, Robot Monster, I'm going to try and explain the plot to you. One of the best plots of the 20th century. Amazing sci-fi, obviously. So, these aliens, I know it's called Robot Monster, but they're aliens, yes. These aliens destroy Earth except Okay, they use their evil death ray to do this. Except there's a group of eight humans, of which we only see six, um, who have taken an antibiotic serum, which has made them immune to the death ray. Yes, it makes sense. So the the Roman, not a, not a Roman, a Roman, thank you very much. From the planet Roman. From the planet Roman <laughs> has been sent by the Great One, who is also a Roman, not a Roman, a Roman, to just kill off the rest of the humans or whatever. I mean, the um, humans. The sorry, <laughs> the, yes, the humans. And I mean, uh, he goes around trying to murder them, kills a small girl. Doesn't he like kill the mother at one point? And the dad's like, "Oh, it's all right. You'll get over it." Uh, <laughs> uh, and then he kills a small girl and then he captures a woman who wanted to marry this professor's assistant uh, I don't know because and they have a whole marriage thing where the guy is topless uh, and they kneel down but they don't they never even say I do and then they get pronounced man and wife and then they give each other the rings it's very weird um Anyway, the <laughs> Roman captures the woman, knocks her out without tying her up, but she just decides to become tied up and conscious anyway. Uh, and then he's like, if I were a human, would you treat me like a human? <laughs> uh, and, and then... I can't remember. Oh, and then the, the, the great one says like, you, if you want to live like a human, then you shall die like a human. And then he sends evil death rays that summon dinosaurs to destroy the world. Yeah. But then it was all a dream. Oh my god! Like, wow. What a roller coaster. Story. Yeah. I mean, just amazing plot. In fact, can we all give it a round of applause? There we go. But and it's even better by the fact that the final shot is a looped thing of the Roman <laughs> lumbering towards the camera out of the cave. 
So was it a dream? Yes, yes, it was. The, because they're oh, alive. The loop is just uh, so it's such awful. an original it's twist. Like, <clears throat> it's like Birdemic level that loop, possibly even worse. <laughs> I'm assuming, right? To be yeah. fair, they probably only had one like um, one robot monster suit, but you would have thought like you could have like come towards the camera, then gone off screen, and then looped it. But no, it just faded out. <laughs> yeah, fades out. Just just so you know, there are a couple different versions of this, but we watched the 62-minute version without the... Apparently, there's like a black bar across the word that he captures chest at one point, which suggests that more is shown when there basically nothing is shown. So yeah. Basically, Roman just implied that he sort of has a crush on Alice. They always put the emphasis on the second syllable. Human. (laughs) No, only the romans say that. Yeah, 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 the romance. And he's not even a robot man, he's a bloody gorilla with a diving suit helmet on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A pretty chunky gorilla. He's an absolute unit. We've got Did did the actor of the professor, John John Mylong. Mylong John? That's Cubby's real name. Um, <laughs> did the actor of the professor get get his Oscar? I mean, come on. Great acting. Mm. Remember when he yeah. was doing the wedding speech and then interrupts to like literally mid sentence to then just decide to do a weird prayer to God. Uh, what's he even talking about? He's I like he's I'm like, not good enough to he's make them married. Like <laughs> Well, I'm not good enough to make them married, but I have been good, and I have followed the Ten Commandments, and therefore, <laughs> if you if if we win against the Roman, then may they live a long, long life, long and fruitful <laughs> little life. Known the fact, quote. Little known fact, but the professor from Robot Monster is the same character as the professor in the similarly acclaimed Stalker. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, he definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely identical. There's so many great film uh, I mean quotes from this film such as when uh the boy when, at the start of the film when he's messing around and playing pretending to be a space a spaceman spaceman the the, hu- the man. humans do the opposite of the romans. Uh, and put emphasis, all emphasis on the first word. So, spaceman, not spaceman, spaceman. spaceman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he gets to the cave, and he says, "Here we are in the cave." Wow, thank you, uh, thank you. I think I can't remember how he says it though. He says it really annoyingly. Here we are it. I just... in the cave. <laughs> Literally, this the first the... thing I've written down in my notes is, "Here we are in the cave." <laughs> this is the same character with the. Insult! You look like a pooped out pinwheel. Oh yes. Oh. Yeah, there's a an it's, odd it's, scene. It's his dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's okay. like a secondary character. Yes. Yeah. There's, there um, was this really weird scene where um, the Roman <laughs> wants to see Alice because obviously he has a crush on her for some reason. Um. And then, well, Alice is is gonna go, but the the boys already run off, and so he 
meets the boy instead, and the boy's just like, "You're just a big bully. You're laughing but a pooped out pinwheel." Um, but then <laughs> somehow, like, um, uh, alongside being like a stereotypical child, also manages to give away how they are impervious to his death rays. Yeah. Um, uh, it, uh, wow. I mean, what a character. It's him. See, I wrote before we knew it was the evil death ray. At the start, I said, uh, boy struck by lightning, dinosaurs fight. <laughs> so yeah. the dinosaurs that come out of the death ray at the end, I guess, are hinted towards at the start. Yeah, and but... they just use stock footage from uh, another film called uh, Man and His Mate. And a brief clip uh, is from... Oh, I, d I did know this and I've already forgotten. But it's from a different film as well, which is actually dinosaurs. Called like the... Oh, it's called The Lost Continent. Uh, but at, so... at least they actually explain why the dinosaurs are there when they come for the second time. The first time they just sort of appear. Yeah, it's the exact it's like same a... footage used both times. Yep. <laughs> it's just like a weird well, dramatic I mean, they use shot. the same footage in the same like cutaways of the dinosaurs. Yeah, my dinosaurs. personal favorite being the two lizards just like spinning <laughs> around. <Yeah. laughs> they, they bite onto one of them, bites onto the other one, and then they just start spinning around. <laughs> Not like, as in, like a dog rolls over. They're just rolling over while attached to each other. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. The plot. <laughs> it really does. The plot is so weird, and the script is so terrible. Like the dialogue what is. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm sorry. What's wrong script... with the script? You sound like a human, not a Roman. <laughs> if I was a Roman. human, would you treat me like a human? Oh, wait, no, it wasn't You're even a human. Saucy. It was a man, wasn't it? If I yeah. was a man, would you treat me like a man? <laughs> oh. You're so bossy, you ought to be milked some... before you come home at night. <laughs> There's the Shakespearean, I cannot, yet I must. How do you calculate yes. that? At what point on the graph do must and cannot meet? Yet I must, but I cannot. Yes, really can, we, can we look up that graph, please? So renowned. Can we display a picture of that graph? Yeah, yeah look at In up. audio form. Yeah. <laughs> Good. What, does, what do you think is the meaning behind you ought to be milked before you come home at night? <laughs> See, like, part of me was like, wow, is this, like, an innuendo? Is, is this, like, him making a sexual reference? Or is he, like, somehow implying that cows are bossy? I don't understand. <laughs> so There's a few instances where oh, there's sort of, like, subtle innuendo references, but they're sort of unclear whether that was actually the intention. Yeah. Oh, okay, so bossy is a general name for a cow, just as you can call a cat a tabby cat. Um, there so go. there you go. Yeah. Really? Also, mm -hmm. I think um, Atlas is entirely uh, <laughs> incapable of walking, because every time that they see the, the Roman, yep. she's just picked up and yeah, carried away. Yep. I mean, not even... If she see, doesn't, she want to go off and do something. I can't actually remember what. And then the professor's assistant or her like husband just picks her up yeah, <laughs> and takes her somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, wow, amazing. And <laughs> when the when the Roman 
picks her up and runs off. You can actually just see her grinning because she's having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's a really deep comment on how there is no difference between the humans and the Roman. <laughs> what, what's the she's tied down by both of them and she's carried away by both of them I mean there's some deep philosophical uh, questions in this such as when the girl says mommy why doesn't he like people <laughs> and, and you, you go hmm maybe <laughs> these overweight gorillas in diving suit helmets aren't so different from us Whoa. you know Whoa. and there's some Dark themes such as the professor really wanting to shoot himself all the time. <laughs> he thinks he hears the romance and he, and he pulls out a gun. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we'll get on to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he thinks he hears the romance, so he pulls out a pistol, uh, getting ready. He's on alert, and then, and then his wife is like, Why do you have a pistol if an atomic gun can't stop them? I guess they must have shot them with an atomic gun. What will a pistol do? And then he says, it's not for him, it's for me. <laughs> Is he just going to wait for the Roman to enter his house and then shoot himself? What? I don't understand. And then and then later, his wife says something about not being able to go on. He's like, what else is there to do? Kill ourselves? It's like, okay, just hurry up and do it then. <laughs> yeah. Decrease the surplus also, population. <laughs> if it is all just a dream, then we need a psychoanalysis of Johnny, oh, of course, to write a two thousand word essay on what what made him think of these things. What made him dream about that? Yeah, he he does not want to play house. But remember, he, at the start, he even says that the the archaeologists are not bad aliens, so he doesn't need to fight them. He just needs to discover stuff. So the aliens aren't evil. Wow, it's so deep. <laughs> wow. Also, you forgot to mention uh, what happened to the other two members of the population. Oh, sorry, I did. The other two members who we never see get on a rocket <laughs> to the space platform, which uh, is suggested is destroyed by the Romans. Not the Romans, the Romans. Yeah, just build a rocket and... I don't know if they built the rocket or if they just got on a rocket, but how could you know how the rocket works? What? How does it, what? <laughs> does it make any sense? Uh, this is one of the earliest depictions of Zoom as well. Yeah. You remember? So the Roman and the family often will talk to each other through the monitors. But, yeah. So the Roman will actually look at the camera when he's talking through a monitor, but they usually forget to put the monitor like border around it. But when the family is speaking to the Roman, they do remember to put the monitor around it, except they look like they're talking to something off screen and aren't actually talking into the camera. Um, and it, it, it just does, it doesn't make sense. Why are they looking also, at some random direction? Yeah, they also manage to say, oh, here is Johnny, and then somehow he's the only one on screen, or here's Alice, and then she oh, appears. Yeah, like, yeah. How do they manage to do that? They just get different camera shots from the one... I... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a masterpiece, really. I know. My uh, personal favourite parts are just the scenes, like with really long shots of of the Roman just wandering around for 
a couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I was just about to ask what you thought of the cinematography. Yeah, I mean, it was such a unique idea to do a really <laughs> wide shot of this lumbering monster making him look about the size of an ant, which really yeah. makes you scared of him, you know. Any any sense of threat is just <laughs> completely <laughs> mitigated just through those shots. And the, they can't even be bothered to do like shot reverse shot with conversations. They just show, they just kind of put a camera in front of the ca- of the family and leave it running for ages, and they just have a conversation. And there's no other shots. It's not really like a long shot. Um, to you know, intended long shot. It's just because they couldn't be bothered, really. Yeah. I mean, they filmed it all in four days. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cinematography expect, was really? terrible. It was like, I know, I know it was only the 50s, but to be fair, you've had cinema for over 50 years at that point in the mainstream. You would have thought, yeah, that, I need like, I'm sure if I watch like Metropolis or M or yeah, something, like Metropolis have better cinematography. Like really good, and that's so much earlier. Um, but here, like, there's so many shots of like. Well, the Roman, who's meant to be like the main bad guy, just like really small in like um, a huge like like ravine or something. It's like you know, you know the shot from A New Hope of R two D two when he's about to get captured yeah. by the Jawas. When like well, before Obi Wan comes, like what the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he's like in the valley and he's about to get captured by the Jawas, and he's like really small, and it's meant to show that like it's he's there's lots of danger, and he's really small compared to everything around him. It was just like that, and you didn't get any sense at all of the Roman being a threat when he's taking up like I don't know a twentieth of the screen at most. Yeah, <laughs> it's. And there were the really weird, very close-up shots when Alice and the professor's assistant were working together on, like, wires and stuff. So they were having a conversation, but you just see a pair of tweezers just kind of fumbling around. Like, oh, what's the time? And just has yeah. to show his watch for, like, Is it, what's the seconds. time? 4.30. But, no, I mean, what day is it? It's like, why did you ask what the time <laughs> is then? <laughs> what? <laughs> So sorry, I'm, I'm sorry for questioning this movie's brilliance. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's an amazing three three point on IMDb. Can you can you think of any good things about it? Uh, I mean, I mean, the score. Was, yeah, the is, score was good. Yeah. Okay. Like it wasn't Which, the most memorable, um, but it suited it. I mean, it's definitely the best part of the film. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, it's the professor's part. acting is so stilted. There's just there was. I'm sure there's a line where he just stopped halfway through. Mm. I I can't think of it. I wish I'd. You just have to watch it and kind of go like, yeah, the, it, he's just kind of saying lines. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, come on, cast and crew. That's where about are it. I um. Uh, I mean, the, the only the other... score is by he he. I think he won an Oscar for not for this. Elmer Bernstein, oh, that's his name. <laughs> um, he, yeah, I mean, he's he worked on loads of films. He, he did the music for To Kill a Mockingbird. That's it. He did the Magnificent Seven, which is a pretty famous theme. Um, let me just 
So I mean, he is actually a good composer. So it means that he was yeah. all right, you know. Well, uh, I don't he's, know he's if that's just comparatively or just compared to everything else in it. It's just <laughs> I so mean, shocking. That is, he did. Oh, he did win an Oscar. Sorry, let me see. What did film. he win it for? He won it for the score of Thoroughly Modern Millie. So yeah. the score is pretty good. Mm. Yeah. For, the... for the film, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> How about... I mean, it's 1953, so you're not, it's not exactly going to be like a groundbreaking score, but it is good. Yeah. This might be a bit of a stretch, but um, the the child acting wasn't as bad as it could have been, I guess. Yeah. I've... I mean, that, I think, I feel like we've just been numbed to what uh, bad acting is. Yeah. <laughs> so you just watch yeah. it. If you watch the film and the whole thing is just like not great acting, then you're like, yeah, they're all right. <laughs> you just don't know. Because the thing about The Room is, okay, I'm going to compare this to The Room, they are all bad actors, but Tommy Wiseau is so much worse than them that you don't realise. Yeah. You can tell that he is worse. So it's kind of like a comparison thing where you don't really know uh, if they're that bad. Another good thing, I guess, is that if you don't know, this film is only one hour long. So at least they don't. That is a good thing, actually. Like, yeah. Draw out, <laughs> yeah, things but, longer than they need to. But to be fair, to to balance it out, I'll give a negative related. The pacing's really bad. It's yeah. It it's only an hour long, but it felt a lot longer, especially. It does when drag. How do you drag for an hour? Especially when you've got like lots of shots of just the Roman just walking with a menacing score. <laughs> Like yeah. you could, if you have like ten seconds of it to establish that he's doing something, fair enough. But when you're having, I think there was a point where it was close to like forty-five seconds of him just walking through a field and back down to his little cave. It was yeah, so stupid. It doesn't like have the same dramatic effect as in Stalker, for instance. Where yeah. that's sort of the point in the direction. In this it's just. Like pretty excruciating at times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, what did you think of the action? We can't can't forget about the unforgettable action. Well, I think there's natural comparisons to Mile Twenty Two because of the high <laughs> level of uh, martial arts from the actors. So the the action scene I'm talking about is when. Alice and her partner uh, are like being attacked by the Roman, who they could easily run away from. Like it's really slow, really, really slow. They could just run away, um, and it seems to not be able to decide whether it wants to capture and kill Alice or her husband or what. And when it moves on to the husband, Alice just starts like whacking its back with her fist. <laughs> Good old. It reminds me of Star Trek when uh, Kirk's favorite move is to karate chop people on the back. Just punch him in the head. Punch <laughs> him in the head. It'll do so much better. 
No, punch him on the back. Probably the bit that would hurt the least. <laughs> yeah. I, just brilliant. Mm. The whole film's just brilliant. I, I, it's, it's genius, really. Yeah. Ob- obviously. Absolute genius. <laughs> you normies wouldn't understand this film. This film is perfect. Uh, yeah, it, you, you wouldn't understand it. You've got to... You know, you got to properly be a, a cinephile, a kinophile, if you will, for actually good movies to understand this film's genius. In fact, this film was so great that despite being um, such a great film, it actually made quite a bit of money. So. Um, oh, it made loads of... Well, comparatively, it made $1,953,000 in its original theatrical release, which is... Uh, over sixty-two times its budget, which was sixteen thousand nineteen fifty-three dollars. So it's not because it would be shown before other films. So like people would go I, and see um, something else, and then they. So I'm trying to figure out to watch this, like how cinemas. Style. I'm trying to figure out how cinemas worked. It definitely they definitely did that in the UK, but so they'd get movies would get ratings as A, which was just kind of advisory. And then B, which would be movies, and then uh, the H rating, which was later changed to the X rating. H was for horror. And I can't tell how the programs worked, but I think most people just tried to go to the later features. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. It, I think some critics did say it was good, so some people went to watch it. Um, I don't. It's, it's, it's quite difficult to research what cinemas were like in 1953 yeah. for some reason. Because, I mean, I know people go on nowadays about critics being out of touch but this isn't just out of touch this is how could you be that just incompetent to think this is a good film or (laughs) remotely watchable even well i mean it's watchable it's entertaining like birdemic just because of how bad it is and if you don't know that's the reason we watched it it was actually a a viewer suggestion shout out to custard kong yes yeah, thank you, Custard Kong, for the recommendation. Yeah, but I guess while we're comparing it to Birdemic, I'd say Birdemic, at least there were parts where it dragged on, um, especially with, like, you know, the opening scene um, where the car's driving and it's the same 30-second music loop, like, 20 times. At least, I don't know, yeah. that didn't feel like it dragged. It felt like... Well, I mean, it obviously did drag, but like you were constantly like sort of laughing throughout it, so it wasn't boring. Like, mm. uh, while there was like five minutes on screen with when with nothing happening, you still sort of got entertainment of it out of it. Whereas there are a lot of parts yeah. in this movie where it was bad and it wasn't entertaining because there were undoubtedly the... yeah. Like there are undoubtedly moments in this film where it was so bad it was funny, like especially the whole forced romance between um, the rope man and Alice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that was. I'd say one of the key differences though is that, uh, in whereas in Birdemic, yeah, it's pretty much, well, pretty much exactly the first half of the film has no birds in. It's literally just. <laughs> <laughs> follows the protagonist's really boring story that you're not invested in at all. Whereas at least with this, the robot monsters <laughs> always, I guess, posing a threat, but 
they sort of inverted commas mix flat. in the, the yeah they sort of mix in the uh i guess domestic story of the characters with the the horror of the robot monster which is something that birdemic doesn't really do till the second half yeah i i can't remember exactly when the robot monster came on screen but it must have been like 10 minutes in or something if it was pretty early on i don't think it was 10 minutes because yeah. isn't it like the boy runs around finds the weird archaeologists that have a strange chat with him it's very creepy <laughs> And then they leave, and then the lightning happens, and Robot Monster comes out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Well, it depends on how long the scenes with the little lizards and dinosaurs last. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. What a film. It's just so unique. Yeah. Also, I just think. Definitely is unique. Yeah, very unique. <laughs> The characters Indeed. are just not really fleshed out that much. Characters? There were characters in this? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was someone called a, a Roman. I don't know anything about him. Oh, yeah. I just think, like, the professor, for example, um, what do you know about him? Just that he's smart and he created, well, co-created something that destroys bacteria. That's all you know about him, and it's not even like the performance can help you hint at anything else, because the performance is terrible. Um, the There seems to be like some sort of... Because um, Alice in, and her boyfriend, I think he's called Roy, are like sort of shown in the first half of the movie to be like on bad terms, because she's smart and she thinks she can help but he was sort of belittling her because she was a woman and couldn't do this she stuff can't, she can't walk <laughs> yeah but then they sort of they go out to see the roman but end up like making out in the field and then suddenly they're on such good terms that they're immediately going to get married in the space of half an hour yeah, like, like they hated each other before that. Yeah, like Roy's character was just non-existent. <laughs> um, and then the, I mean, I, to be fair, like you're not really expecting the kids to have much of a character, but like at least the boy had a sort of pivotal role in the. Well, at the end, he was dreaming all of it, but. He was the one who initially discovered the real man. He was the one who gave away the secrets to being immune to the death ray and all of this stuff. Whereas the girl had like three or four lines in the whole film and yeah. it just seemed a bit like a waste of space. <laughs> Stupid to be lines as well. Yeah. yeah. I, is Alice going on a date with the Roman? <laughs> I do think it would have probably been more effective if. Uh, Johnny did have a bigger role because then I know he quite a lot of I guess the pivotal moments were a result of him but if he did if if he was shown more and had more dialogue then I guess the twist at the end would have sort of made more sense but yeah 
I think they were sort of just restricted by the acting ability and yeah the dialogue was terrible it was <laughs> in it, at points I'd say it was worse than Birdemic but like it's at least sort of on that level of just abysmal dialogue um, yeah but then I, I just don't understand the plot's ending it was just it seemed so forced in because yeah why couldn't they all have just died yeah it it would have been better that way because like at least then you actually know the robot monsters are powerful or something whereas here it just seems like the whole film was the roman just failing to kill five people and like he got a couple yeah. of them but he's supposed to be this and okay here's here's a bit of an inconsistency that kept kept bugging me at the start it was shown that he was really intelligent and couldn't pinpoint exactly where they were and the only reason he couldn't was um because they'd had like this sort of cloaking thing where they where he couldn't pick them up as while they were in their sort of um, home but then every time they left the home like for example when um alice and roy were making out in the field he just wanders straight past them um when when like roy's listening listening to him or the boy's listening to him or you know there's all of these things where he's he should have been able to pick up the the characters were there but then just couldn't because i don't know the writers forgot Probably to stick to their big own diving rules. helmet <laughs> yeah his ears can't crop. see anything <laughs> but as you said about the ending it, it just it's so predictable it, it's almost like as you said before we started the podcast like a, a 500 word um sort of we have to write a story in 500 words that you do at primary school. Oh, yeah. And then everyone's ending is just, and then I woke up. That's literally <laughs> what this was. And this was a film that, well, what was its budget? I can't remember. $16,000. Yeah. Yeah. Something that actually got financed to be made into a, a blockbuster. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was independently made, but like, um, if you're having that sort of financing and it's getting shown, I just don't understand why you do that. Because yeah. even even when we were like kids and we were writing these five hundred word stories, the teachers were very adamant that we don't put, and then we <laughs> then I woke up at the end because it was all a dream. Yeah, because every other kid in yeah. the country was doing it and but then again i guess inception that's sort of like a film that has a unique take on that yeah but... it's obviously very different to robot monster it can be done effectively is guess what i'm trying to say mm. at least inception uh... actually brought something to the table rather than this which was just a whole movie and then they figured oh how can we make it the ending good wow let's just slap a it was all a dream on the end and then that dreadful closing sequence where the the roman would just coming towards the camera fading out <laughs> same shot again twice yeah also um i'm just racking the this poster film. of this film 
I like the way not only does it have the row man with a skull inside of the diving helmet, which he's never shown as having in the film, but it also features, I think it has the, yeah, it has both the dinosaur fight and a lizard on the poster, as if the the thing that is the film's going to be most proud of and most recognised for are two things they just nicked from other films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes it look like it's going to be this really dramatic film where there's going to be dinosaurs <laughs> fighting and there's going to be these <laughs> robot men who are going to murder these this family and it's going to be so dramatic when really the whole film is just the, the romance chasing around this family of five and killing a couple yeah. of them and then Plus falling into shows, It shows the... Uh him carrying Alice and she's sort of like unconscious on the poster but in reality she was just laughing <laughs> yeah she was having a whale of a time there was like there's like a, an image that's quite high up on the search if you search for robot monster and it's just him carrying Alice and she's got the biggest grin on her face it's um <laughs> act you're an actor act <laughs> oh no. Should we talk about the director's feelings after this came out? Oh yes, please do. <laughs> so original so there were Oh dear, he's allegedly gone. attempted suicide after this came out. People said it was because of bad critical reviews, but uh apparently it got good critical reviews somehow. Um so if that's not the case but it's thought that he wasn't being paid by the company. So, and the fact that he wasn't really able to uh, get any more work is quite, I don't know. And also there's a lot of conflicting things saying, some people say he used a gun and later said that it was a, a sleeping pills that he tried. So, Basically, he just wasn't too happy with uh, with his how his film was received. I think whether that was not being paid or the bad reviews makes you wonder. So there you whether, go. Like you know, the professor wants to kill himself twice. One of them is just when Roy is coming back and he he's about to like kill himself. Kind of makes me wonder whether that was like. The director projecting or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was okay. Some people say his attempt at suicide was actually fueled by depression and a dispute with the film's distributor, who allegedly refused to pay Tucker his contracted percentage of the film's profits. Oof. So there we go. And he was also blacklisted within the film industry. Crap. Uh, so poor guy. He went on to direct King Kong, though. Oh, oh yeah. Well, oh. Uh, he. It seems like he became a good film editor. So I don't yeah. think he directed the nineteen seventy-six. No. Did he edit uh, it? I think so. Hmm. It's all um, right. I wonder if that's why yeah. Mister Kong found it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Cool. Um, but yeah. Don't really think there's much else to say. Should we wrap it up and give ratings? 
<laughs> moments of truth. What ratings they will be. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Who wants to go first? Oh, sure. Um so okay, its so IMDB rating is three. Mm-hmm. We gave Birdemic a five. And I kind of prefer Birdemic to this. So I'm gonna give this a f- because there is still enjoyment to be had, I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. It's a guess. <laughs> well, we gave Mile 22 a 4.5, right? So... Yeah. Um, I can't tell which is better, this on Mile 22. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel obviously like... Mile 22 is... <laughs> no, I mean, I mean in terms of enjoyment... Clarify, Mile 22 is obviously... Technically better. Yeah, yeah. In terms just... of enjoyment, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least Mile Twenty Two was Ico and um some cool action sequences. Yeah, yeah. They both had a, a massive shocking twist at the end. I'm gonna go. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna go four as well, because anything cool. less than that seems like. A bit like if I hadn't enjoyed it, and there were still parts that I did enjoy. So, four. Yeah, I'm gonna go with four point two. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> I don't know why. Just you just want to give the best rating. Oh, then that means yeah. That's like the third week in a row I've done that. I think. Disappointing, it's Tom. That means you're rubbish. No. <laughs> it's just our opinion. Don't get upset, everyone. Sorry. I'm sorry if you think this is the greatest film ever made. Yeah. Well, I saw a review on MDB saying this is the this is my favorite ever film, and it gave it a two out of ten. So <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know what other films they've watched. <laughs> they make, That's the only film I've ever seen. <laughs> nice. So we're averaging at four point zero seven, so like approximately four point one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. The lowest rated movie so far. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> but we we will try and uh every so often do one of these so bad that it's kind of good films. Oh just I for think, a bit of variety. Yeah. I think I might actually have one that we can watch at some point. I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. It's Ooh. I watched it quite recently, Exciting. but I don't want to recommend it. Top secret. It. Yeah, <laughs> Intel. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much to Custard Kong for recommended this masterpiece. Um, <laughs> if you have a film you'd like us to see, you can send it in. Um, and um, yeah, so we don't have, we still have a submission spotlight thing that we need to do. We'll probably, we might have it ready because you'll be hearing this on Friday because this is pre-recorded. Um, we might have it ready for the week after that, probably, or it might be a little later, but we're going to get round to it. Um, we don't have any for this week though, so... As always, if you are 
a creator of any form of entertainment, be that music, short films, art, podcasts. We could do podcasts if you want us to yeah. review your podcast. That would be cool. Ooh. Uh, we said even like poetry because Ollie does A level English. So uh, yeah, just get Thank in you. touch. You can message us via our website or um, on Twitter or Instagram. That'd be cool. Cool. Yeah. Do, do Pete, are we going to do recommendations? Um, I don't have any this week. I have one. Cool. I do. Cool. There we go. Do okay. You want to go first. Okay. So Ollie pointed out that we hadn't recommended any comics yet, so I was like, ah, oh, better. I'll rectify that then. Oh yeah. So... yeah. If, you, if you create comics as well, <laughs> we can review those. Just, just oh, that. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I got the Grant Morrison run of Batman comics, which are great. So uh, these are collected in the volumes Batman and Son and Batman R.I.P. And he does kind of odd... The the big Batman comic he's famous for doing is Arkham Asylum, which is a graphic novel set on its own. But when he did his run on Batman, uh, is also really good. And it's kind of more of a psychological and odd fantasy tone. Uh, n- not fantasies in medieval. There's just a lot of weird stuff going on, like a an altered Batman in case his brain is destroyed and stuff like this. And also it, it introduces Damian Wayne, I believe. So I, I assume it's the first one with Damian Wayne and his son. Uh, it's just really well written, some great concepts in it and talking about the psychological aspects of Batman and his kind of um, the fact that he's one of those people that will just never give up like it really capitalizes on the fact that basically his superpower is that he just uh, will not stop at anything to get rid of crime and help out Gotham which is odd because uh, in a lot of TV shows and films that are set in the DC universe, the premise is that Batman has run away, which is a bit odd. But <laughs> and it, but that's kind of his thing, is is in this fixed mindset and he kind of spirals out of control. And it's just really good writing and also good art to go along with it. Uh, there's a cool element of mystery in one of them about someone called the Black Hand, who you don't know who it is. Uh, and also has a really good Joker story arc in it, so definitely worth a read. Cool. Groovy. With new form of entertainment there. Yes. Nice. What about uh, you, Ollie? I'd like to recommend a Netflix original documentary series called It's About Jeffrey Epstein. Filthy Rich, and it's it's basically it tells a lot of it's basically sort of uh, tells the story of how he well it's kind of ambiguous how he got so rich like a billionaire and he like manipulated and abused a lot of underage girls and it, it like provides a the perspective of many of the victims um and also sort of tells the story of if you don't know he hanged himself in prison and 
it's also quite interesting because a lot of it connects to some of the more controversial people that he was uh, like surrounded with. So there's quite a lot of cases with him, with uh, Prince Andrew and uh, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. So it's it's quite a good series just looking at sort of the corrupt, um, well, just like a, a small, a tight knit of corrupt, really rich people. Um, and it just offers an interesting insight into like the controversy surrounding them. Cool. I saw that, but I didn't know if I wanted to watch a, a like depressing documentary or not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, I mean, it is undeniably depressing at times, but like the the last episode's quite sort of enlightening in a way, I guess. Yeah. Mm. I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah, so. A good old Luke. Um, oh, actually, I just want to mention, I'm not recommending it. I just, because I thought maybe people want to be kept up to date on new releases. Uh, Netflix released a new original film called The Old Guard, which is based on a series of comics about a group of people who are basically immortal, so and they also can't be killed. So they kind of have regeneration powers similar to Wolverine, but they're like, they actually get killed and then regenerate and come back to life and stuff. Uh, and I just want to tell you that I thought it was meh and kind of nothing. <laughs> and it's yeah. annoying because immortality is uh, a cool theme to explore, but all they really say is that some of them are a bit unhappy and want to die. <laughs> and that's that's the extent they go for it. And the action is fine and it's okay, but it's just not on the level that you want now after John Wick and stuff like that. It just could be better. It felt like it dragged at places, and it's like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. So, not not. I wouldn't recommend it. Just not not great. A lot of the sort of home exclusive releases since lockdown haven't been getting the greatest reviews. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. I wish Netflix just like funded better films because their series are great. I mean, the best yeah. Netflix original film I can think of is Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. I mean, I know that Christopher Nolan's Tenet, he wants to sort of, he, he was reluctant to release at home and he wants to release that in cinemas. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of his films sort of require that scope. But also... I mean, you can't really get the same sort of engagement just watching on the telly mm. as you can if it's in the cinema. Oh, sorry. There are actually a few good Netflix original films, but they all seem to have come out last year, like Marriage Story and Two Popes and uh, The Irishman. But, yeah, th- this year it's not been great. It seems to have gone back to how it was before. It was kind of like, eh, films. But- it's weird because some, I swear some, uh, like wasn't the the Irishman originally released in cinemas, but then it went to Netflix. Uh, yeah, a lot of that's how. Say with Ballad of Scruggs, they they release they give them a cinema release so that it can be nominated for Oscars. Because if yeah. it doesn't have a theatrical release, it can't win any Oscars. 
There you go. Groovy. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so we'll wrap it up. But first, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, it probably won't work for podcasts. I've got a little something to show you on screen. I always I always listen just to audio podcasts and it annoys me when they reference something that is visual, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Roman should uh, really study this a lot. <laughs> um Thanks for listening. Thanks again for Costa Kong for recommending this amazing movie. Um, you can recommend stuff too if you want. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both the at E of E podcast. Um, the links are also in the description. There's a contact form on our website which you can contact us through. Um, go have a look at our website. There's like quite a f- lot of things there, including the the Hall of Fame, uh, which has the top-rated movies for every category, and then also the the, the worst-rated ones, which is going to be um, <laughs> very relevant here, I think. Indeed. Well, it's a good job because uh, Heavy Metal was in the three bottom-rated movies, so good job let's replace that. That should not have been there. <laughs> well, it's only because we've re- reviewed like really good films. Yeah, I felt so bad about Heavy Metal. It was... It really shouldn't have been that low. Yeah, so follow us on social media because we post clips and stuff there. Um, We'd also like to interact with you guys a lot more. Um, Share us with your family and friends or just anyone who'd be interested in listening to the podcast. Yes. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Um, Follow us on podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. I've been chilling for quite a long time now, so I think I'll just um, end it and go... uh, Alright, see you. Alright, see you.